and welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm Angela Ensminger. And I'm Jeff Schutze. And we want to discuss the big news happening in the animation industry, the Creative Talent Network Expo Meltdown. For mm. those of you who may be aware or who may not be aware, so Tiffany Ming who is a fantastic fine artist. She worked on the film Loving Vincent. She was supposed to have a gallery show at a winery here in town, here in the Los Angeles area, sponsored by Center Stage Gallery. And it did not go as planned. It only lasted for one day. A lot of her artwork was damaged. When she tried to get her money back from the show, she was told no, also, she tried multiple times before she was told no just to contact Tina Price, who runs Center Stage Gallery, and get her money back, and everything just went to pot, and she posted about it on Facebook. And then Bobby Chu, who many of you might know from Schoolism, which is a fantastic organization, he made a video and posted it on YouTube, and mm. he basically talked about his experiences with Tina and also with CTNX, which is the big expo that happens every year. They're going to have their 10th one this November, and he talked about his grievances, and what he said was he's been treated poorly by staff and volunteers and Tina over the years, but until this moment, he didn't want to say anything. He didn't want to rock the boat because, unfortunately... You know, the animation industry is small. We've mentioned this on the show multiple times, how crazy it is that we find out that, oh, someone's friend or cousin or boyfriend or girlfriend or roommate ends up being the person that you work with down the line. And that's true. And because it's so small, a lot of times people are afraid to speak up when mm -hmm. they're working at a studio or for a supervisor or with a coworker or someone who mistreats them. And so Bobby, he didn't want to speak up about that because he was understandably concerned as all of us have been in the past either with animation or other things but because of what had happened in tiffany ming's situation and also because of what had happened with steven silver and many of you may have seen his videos from last year and the year before he came out and said that he will no longer be supporting ctnx and because of that that has caused a snowball effect so that many people in the industry have been talking about it. If you're on Facebook or Twitter and you've been following this, you may have noticed that it completely blew up mm -hmm. over the past week and a lot of people are no longer going to be exhibiting. A lot of people are now offering portfolio reviews for free mm -hmm. so that you don't have to pay a great deal of money to go and get your portfolio reviewed, which is a very good thing. And also as it pertains to our show and us, Cassie Soliday, who is the host of the Ink and Paint Girls podcast, and I were slated to have a table together at CTNX. And after talking it over with Cassie, you know, we watched Bobby Chu's video. We've seen Steven Silver's videos. I listened to Sketch Zone, which is a really great podcast. They interviewed Tiffany Ming, and so she talked in depth about the whole situation. So after all of that, we have decided not to participate in CTNX. We feel like it would be setting a very bad precedent for us to be there and participate in light of the fact that so many people within our community are being treated so poorly. And we need to have empathy for people. If something bad happens to someone, 
you support them. You support the members of the body and the animation community, that's all of us. So when one of us suffers, all of us suffers. And when one of us does well, we all do well. It is a reflection of the collective as a whole. So I just wanted to let you guys know that we will not be there. We don't feel like it'd be the right thing to do. We don't feel like it would be the right thing to support. So, and we've actually requested a refund. And for those of you who are thinking that maybe you don't want to go either, or you're thinking that, hey, I was going to have a table. I don't want a table anymore. I encourage you to read the policies on the CTNX website for how to get your refund. You do have to sign up within 90 days. At the time of this recording, it's past 90 days, so you're not entitled to your full refund. But if you, basically, if you pull out of the event within 30 to 90 days, I believe you're entitled to at least 50%. So if that's something you're considering, now's the time to do it. If you do want to go, honestly, I say, you know what, that is completely your choice. We're not going to behoove anybody who chooses to go, you know, especially if you're coming from out of state, out of country, and you've already locked this down, and it would be just a nightmare to pull out this point. I would say do your best to have a great convention, treat everybody with respect, treat fellow artists with respect, yourself with respect, the volunteers, everyone involved. And I just want to give a plug also because Cassie and I exhibited at this place earlier this year. Ground Zero Animation Expo is absolutely wonderful. DesignerCon, which I've attended, is a great convention. Jeff, you've been to WonderCon. We've both mm -hmm. been to Comic-Con. This is not the end-all be-all if you decide not to go to CT Next. There are so many other events and galleries and conventions you can go to instead to meet people so do not despair, because I know a lot of people are going, well, if I can't go to CT next, what do I do? Just Google. There's so many other opportunities out there, you guys. So how do you feel about all of this, Jeff? Well, the whole thing is troubling. I'm very sad to see it go down this road. You know, this has been going on for a long time, it seems. I remember first seeing Steven Silver's video about it a couple of years ago and being like, wow, this is pretty, you know, hardcore. This is pretty inflammatory, what he's saying. I wonder if it's true. And then reading the comments, it seemed like a lot of people had the same experience he did. And Stephen Silver was a, a teacher of mine. I know he's not one to just, you know, say something that wasn't truthful. So I tended to believe him, but I was like, well, maybe it was just his experience. Or maybe, you know, a couple of these other people I've seen that have said bad things about this convention maybe it was just their experience but now like you said it's been snowballing since Steven Silver and my ears kind of been up about this thing I've seen so many people so many of the people I follow on Twitter on all the social media Facebook they a lot of them don't have nice things to say about this convention and now with Bobby and Tiffany joining the chorus yeah I don't think we can turn a blind eye anymore and yeah, I was on a wait list for this, but, you know, after talking to you and after all this stuff has gone down, I'm definitely not going to do this con, even if they contact me. So, yeah, I stand with you and the rest of the, you know, people who decide not to, to kind of, I, I think it kind of makes a statement, you know, that this is not cool, that they need to either change their ways or this convention needs to 
change period, you know, so. I agree, because yeah. it's a good idea. The convention's mm-hmm. a good idea, but the way it's been run is not good no. and not sound. And I just want to say, too, because it took me a while to get to this point. Mm-hmm. I've attended CTNX four times. Mm-hmm. Two of those times I was a volunteer. One of those times I was working at one of the booths. And my experience has always been positive, which is part of the problem because I never had a hard time with it. I was always able to find parking. My fellow volunteers or other volunteers that I met were always very kind to me. Mm -hmm. The staff was also very good. So I want to commend anybody out there who has volunteered or anybody on staff who's done a good job, Mm -hmm. who has worked very hard. This is not an indictment against you. This is against the people that have been who have been treating people poorly. Mm-hmm. And everyone I always worked with was very nice and I was always treated very well. And the professionals who reviewed my portfolios were always very nice to me and gave me very good advice. And I got to do raise the bar recruiting, which was very helpful. And also when I would stop by tables of different artists and you know buy their books or buy their posters, everyone I talked to was more than happy to review my portfolio and they gave me really sound advice. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to go to the convention was because I thought, well, I know there are people who had a problem with it, but I've never had a problem with it. So I guess that means it's fine. Mm -hmm. And honestly, over the past year and a half, we've seen not just with this, but a lot of things going on in society that just because things are going fine for you mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're going fine for everybody else. Right. And that you need to pay attention when someone speaks up and says, I'm not being treated well. Mm-hmm. I'm being abused. I'm being yelled at. My money's being taken. My property's being damaged. We need to pay attention to that yeah. and say, even if you're being treated well, this other person isn't being treated well. You need mm-hmm. to have empathy for that person. You need oh, to yeah. listen to that person. You need to try to help that person. Mm-hmm. And I feel like by not going, we're helping people. We're basically, like you said, making a statement of, hey, if you want to have a convention, that's great. Mm-hmm. But you need to make the cost better and you need to treat people with respect and you need to treat their property with respect or else they're not yeah. going to come to your convention. They're going to go elsewhere or just make their own convention and their own galleries and their own shows Mm -hmm. so my hope is that you know tina and the other staff and volunteers will see this as a a teaching opportunity that they'll go oh okay let's do what we need to do then to make this a better show yeah if it becomes a better show people will return right if it stays as it is i don't predict this lasting all that long yeah yeah I wonder if there will be an alternative to this con, you know, as far mm-hmm. as a animation industry convention with a bunch of professionals, you know, that you can have all the stuff that happens at CTNX, you know? Well, so. right now there are. I mean, mm-hmm. there's Ground Zero for sure. There's also Seagraph. And I know that a lot of people might not be... I get the impression just because mostly most of the people that we know are in 2D and comics, mm-hmm. but... Seagraph is the big VFX, 3D animation, computer science convention. And it's really cool. I've never been, but I have a lot of friends who have gone. I've and they once. love it. Yeah. You've been once. That's it, great. It was really cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was a lot of technology stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which was fun to see and you know but uh as far as animation goes like mm -hmm. i'm probably reading into this but at the end of bobby's video he says something like stay tuned i don't know if he's planning on another convention or if he's planning on maybe just another video or something mm -hmm. but i was like man if someone could create a convention as big as and as influential and maybe yeah maybe ground zero will be that mm -hmm. that would be amazing yeah. i think one day it'll happen also mm -hmm. i've seen a lot of people online saying let's just meet up at a place mm -hmm. and that typically happens anyway yeah in the past even when i've gone to the convention sometimes the best part is just hanging out at the burbank grill afterwards Absolutely. because then everybody's really chill so they're going to be i'm certain of it so many groups of mm -hmm. people that just decide we're gonna go to story tavern we're gonna go to golden road we're going to go to somebody's apartment we're gonna go over here and have our own yeah get together right and right. so i imagine there's going to be quite a few groups online that yeah. just decide to get together and say hey guess what we're just gonna meet at this place yeah. show up yeah yeah i think steven silver did that right and last year i believe he joined up with Titmouse because mm. I noticed in some of the comments that the folks at Titmouse went there one year and had a terrible experience mm. and that's why they never go back and so they teamed up with Steven last year and they just had a really fun drink and draw event yeah so yeah. there's other things you guys right yeah yeah so that's it and then also I just want to say too so I've been going to Center Stage Gallery for Life Drawing I have I already bought my pass so I need to use up all of those but I believe after that I will be done because mm. I very much like Center Stage Gallery. I very much like the life drawing models and the volunteers and everyone I've met there, but I don't feel like I can continue going in light of all the stuff until I hear that everything's changed. Mm -hmm. So we'll find other things, but there's other places. There's never one thing. And even if there is one thing, if it's a bad thing, make your own thing. Right. Yeah, this kind of thing also happened in my time with doing all the conventions for comic books and you know web comics and all that stuff you just start hearing through the grapevine like oh this convention has some bad apples in it you know and the leadership at the top is not good or whatever and then those conventions either go away or they change you mm -hmm. know that's just what happens as it mm -hmm. should be so yeah. the way for change is your dollars yeah. your dollars and your time have a direct impact on what happens so mm -hmm. use your dollars wisely yeah as far as events go, in lieu of events, since we talked a great deal about CTNX, just check out the website and Facebook and Twitter and the show notes for events. There's a lot of really cool events going on in the next couple of weeks, so I'll make sure to post all of that for you guys so you can check that out there. So let's turn now to a more pleasant topic. Jeff, what have you been watching? <laughs> uh, right now... Uh, let's see. I haven't watched a whole lot of stuff, but one thing I did watch was with you when we saw Teen Titans go to the movies. Yes. Yeah, and that was a lot of fun. That was part of Asifa. Yes, it right? was. And I want to give a shout out to Frank Gladstone and Susan and David and all the wonderful people at Asifa Hollywood, as well as Warner Brothers, because we got to go to... Warner Brothers studio lot and watch a movie, which I'd never done before. I'd never, I'd been to the lot before, but I'd never been to their screening room. That was really nice. 
and we got posters and then afterwards they had the directors and the executive mm-hmm. producer and the head of story were there and they were very funny yeah they're very funny and they were very <laughs> real and very raw about their experience making the movie and i want to say to all you guys give the movie a chance because it's legitimately funny i want to speak now to those of you out there who may have been like me i love og teen titans i love the first iteration of the animated show i have all five dvds of the entire series i've watched that show all the way through five times it's one of the shows that inspired me to go back to school to do animation i adore that show so i understand why people got upset about teen titans go but listen they're two completely different things and it's fine to have two different things exist in the world okay Mm -hmm. it's perfectly fine the other thing too that people need to remember as far as american animation goes is that unless you're working for adult swim or fox or something on netflix the age bracket of the material that we are creating are for children ages 2 to 12 so slow your roll online people because these shows technically they're not for us anyway they're for children and children love these shows as they should because they're funny so Mm -hmm. if you don't like the show it's okay but slow down on the hate because one that's just mean and two these are your fellow animators your fellow storyboard artists your fellow creators and you may be working with them one day and the last thing you want is going into a meeting or going into a show and then they become your friend on facebook or twitter or tumblr or instagram and they see all your hate and go oh geez what is going on with this person so that's my psa about all of that and along with that i think you really need to judge things on their own merit you know because we've seen a lot of hate for a lot of these different iterations of beloved properties it's like don't judge it by what you want it to be or what it was in the past judge it for what it is now like do you think it's funny do you think it's good do you like it then cool but are you not liking it because well it's not the same as it was before then that's a whole different Mm -hmm. thing you know so and it's fine if you don't like it yeah but not everything is for you you know this there's a lot of things i like there's a lot of things I despise. I try not to <laughs> okay. talk about it on the show. There's been a few exceptions, but I, I tried it. If I don't like it, I just go, you know what? It's not my thing. Yeah. It's cool, man. But as far as Teen Titans go, the movies, that movie's hysterical. Yeah. I thought that movie was absolutely fantastic. I thought that various animation styles were really cool. I thought the jokes were really cool. Some of the jokes shocked me that they were able to get away with them oh, considering yeah. it's Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. So just go and see this movie. It's a lot of fun. Oh, and can one, I just say what blew my mind? I think we had such a unique experience watching this film because... It was the most meta experience of my life because we are watching a movie about DC superheroes trying to make a movie, going to the Burbank Warner Brothers lot to make this movie. We're watching these characters and other DC characters watching an animated movie as we are on the (laughs) Warner Brothers lot watching this movie within a movie while we're sitting in a screening room that looks exactly like the one where I felt like I almost blinked out of existence because it was so you know don't you feel like 
I don't know. I felt like I was in Inception or something. Like, am I dreaming? <laughs> What's happening here? Not unlike the challengers of the unknown. <laughs> oh, yeah. Watch the movie. Yes. And you'll understand that joke. <laughs> which is a real thing we discovered. Yes. Which was hysterical. Yeah. Now all they need to do is make an animated Doom Patrol movie. So anytime, DC. <laughs> anytime. So what else have you been watching? For over the past two months, because of the wonders of summer mm -hmm. and screening, so I've seen Won't You Be My Neighbor, Incredibles 2, Only Yesterday, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, Mission <laughs> Impossible Fallout, This is Spinal Tap, which I'd never seen. <gasps> One of seen. my favorite movies. It's That's like in my top So five. great. Yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and Voltron Season 7. Nice. So I finally had a chance to watch everything. I, I want to say the best movie I saw to that grouping was Won't You Be My Neighbor, mm -hmm. which is a documentary about Fred Rogers. Yeah. Won't You Be My Neighbor is fantastic. It is an excellent film. It is an excellent documentary. Fred Rogers was such an amazing person. I grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I found it to be very calm, very soothing. But just to hear about all that he went through just to get that show off the ground yeah. and to hear accounts from people that knew him and hear from people who were at this institute that he founded and all the work that he did with child development there's a scene that it's with daniel tiger and he's talking to you know this this human princess in the world of make-believe mm -hmm. and he's asking her do you ever feel like you're a mistake and he right. starts to sing a song about being a mistake and then she's singing, no, Daniel, you're wonderful, you're kind, I love you. And he continues to sing about how he's a mistake and it becomes this duet of basically her, you're going to have these dual thoughts mm -hmm. and just having to focus on the one over the other. And Jeff, I broke down. I broke down in the theater sobbing wow. because I'm watching this thinking, I know exactly how you feel. Also, oh my gosh, Daniel Tiger, no, you were so loved. And just, and then after that moment, this is midway through the movie, every time that puppet showed up, mm -hmm. I was in tears every single time. And yeah. it amazed me because Mr. Rogers would be Daniel Tiger and he would talk to news anchors and grown men, okay? Right. Grown men, you could see them start to tear up mm -hmm. as they're talking to a hand puppet. Oh, That's yeah. the power this man had. So yeah. if it's still playing in your area, I highly encourage you to watch this movie. If you're in the animation industry or just children's media or just media, it will remind you of your responsibility as a creator of oh, yeah. make things that are worthwhile. Yeah. Well, I saw yes. the movie too and mm -hmm. I feel the same way. It was so good it wasn't what i was expecting because when i heard about it i heard it's oh it's this nice core movie that's just kind of a feel-good thing and when i watched it i was exhausted first of all because i think i saw it the day after i got back from the from comic-con oh no yeah so i was just like in this weird zombie state where you know when you're so exhausted and just everything affects you mm -hmm. i'm watching yes. this movie just yeah in this completely i just the state where everything that was on screen was affecting me and yeah it was almost a hard film to get through for me because yeah there were stuff like that didn't they say that tiger was kind of a surrogate for it was. mr that's, rogers that's how he was yeah he had a hard time as yeah. a little kid 
And then it just shows, like, it goes into some serious depth about what he went through and, you know, the fights that he went through. And there was some struggle in getting this on the air. And, yeah, it was really good. It made me want to go and watch some of those old episodes. It, mine, know? too. I have all of them in my queue now. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, what's, have, what's it on? Is yeah, it on it's on, uh, they have it on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. You can watch from, I think, 1977. Yeah. I mean, all the way back. And there's an organization you can join and donate. And he does all this, dated all this child development. It's, oh, it's a wonderful movie. Yeah. So I, I cannot extol the praises of this movie enough. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side of that, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> I'm really glad you warned me ahead of time. I laughed through the whole movie. I don't know if that was their intent. I personally found the movie to be highly enjoyable. Yeah, it's entertaining it is, from a certain point of view. It is yeah. so entertaining. Yeah. Now, the thing, though, is if you love Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. the awe and majesty by the time you get to this movie, completely gone. Right. It's gone. Oh, it's, yeah. It is, it is no longer there. No. But it is fun because it's, you know, basic. The creatures are in the house. They're in their house. <laughs> And I guess we should They're creeping say, through the window. I guess we should say back spoilers, but okay, yeah. you guys. Okay, so spoilers for Jurassic World <laughs> Fallen Kingdom. Cause, but it's funny. Uh, it's so funny. Yeah. My favorite part is, was it the Indominus Rex? Was that the name of yeah, it? Yeah, Indominus Rex. I so think, like it's on the roof of the house, and they show a full moon. Yes. And I'm sitting there, and I go, cue the howl. <laughs> yeah. And then the creature goes, and then it's climbing along and you see the latch in the window and okay now open the window and it opens the window (laughs) and the little girl's in the little bed and she's she's trying to cover up so it doesn't see her and you just see its foot its foot does that tap 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 yeah and then all you see is the arm arm reaches and pulls back the cover and i'm looking at this going okay Uh, so we've devolved into a movie about scaring little girls now is that is that what this has become okay sure (laughs) and it's not even acting like a dinosaur like busting in through the window like jumping on the bed it's like it's seven inch long claws like delicately unlatching the thing then like delicately reaching for the cover i love it what is happening i love it the only thing they didn't do in the movie which i kid you know i was waiting for mm-hmm. was the final scene when chris pratt's character owen is talking to blue and he tells her come with us blue come with us the only thing that would have made that scene better is if she had looked at him and said no papa i must run into the forest and be free i mean i'm waiting for them to talk now that's the only thing they didn't do was have them talk. They basically <laughs> talked in the first in Jurassic World. Remember when they were like, "What's it doing?" And then the the T Rexy kind of thing, the the camouflage dinosaur was like kind of barking or whatever oh, at the the raptors, right. and they're like, "It's it knows their language. It's oh, talking." Oh, that's <laughs> right. That's right. I mean, right. they are talking English, but it's like really yeah. they can communicate. And there's that like, dream sequence in, I believe it's. Jurassic Park 2. Oh, where yeah. Alan's in the plane right. and the raptor talks to him. It's like, Alan! It's like, what's, what's going on? <laughs> That's the only thing. That and I was waiting for the little girl to basically become the Daenerys of Jurassic World oh, and just say, yeah. I am the mother of raptors and just start, you know, because I am a clone, I can right. also talk to them. I was, 
That didn't happen. No. I was, I was shocked. But, yeah, it could have, and they, it would have fit right in. Yeah. They zoomed in on her eye, and I was waiting for her eye to do that cat thing and change color. Yeah. Maybe that's the third one. I anticipate the third Jurassic World will be Dino Riders, where it's just going to be dinosaurs outfitted with Uzis yes. and machine guns and people riding them and them just shooting at people. Yeah. I think that's where it's going. Yeah. Which, okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah, we've gone here. We yeah, might as well. Why not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Personally, I think this movie's fantastic, but I know other people that hate this movie. Yeah. So I feel like after hearing this description, if you think, hey, I too love Jurassic World, Ghost Shark, Sharknado, <laughs> movies of that type, yeah. I will love this. If you Deep Blue Sea. Oh, yeah. If you like those kind of movies, that's this kind of movie. Yeah. Just with a better budget and better acting. So you'll be fine. If you're expecting actual Jurassic Park, Mm -hmm. may I suggest Jurassic Park? Yeah. Go back to the original. It's on Netflix right now. Watch that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) That reminds me, I saw Meg. Oh, how was that? I want to see that. I have to add to my canon of shark films. I would wait for Netflix or, yeah, home streaming. Even with the giant screen? Yeah. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) I was all set just to have, like, oh, this is going to be crazy. It's Mm -hmm. good. I love the trailer. It's just, like, it looks like a lot of fun and silliness. And it was just bad. Oh. Bad silly. The whole origin of Meg, like how they find her and all this stuff was just like, really? That's dumb. And then pretty much all the the fun shark scenes and stuff you've seen in the trailer. Yeah, it just was not good. I I wasn't scared during it or like... Did you think you would be scared? Well, I thought it it would have some sort of Jawsian moments. Ah. But, you know, I was listening to something else where John Turtletop, the director was talking about the movie and I think he said something like, you know, we couldn't surpass Jaws, obviously, because that's such a classic, but we were trying for the second best shark movie. And I think they missed the mark. What's the second best shark? So they were trying to be the second best yeah, shark movie? Yeah, after okay. Jaws. I was like, I would put Jaws 2 and Jaws 3D. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> it wasn't my thing, but... Uh, so Jaws, yeah. still the number one shark movie. Yeah. Oh, by a mile. It probably will... By a mile. I think at this point, I don't think there'll be another one. I could be wrong, but there have been a plethora of shark and various other underwater creature movies. Yeah. They're not great. No, no. (laughs) But I think this one is doing well, like, worldwide, so... Mm -hmm. I don't know. They might make a Meg 2, you know, unfortunately. Even more Megs? (laughs) What, What would be a good title for that? Like Ultra Meg or Ultra Meg, Megaton. Mega Meg versus Mecha Meg. I don't yeah. even know. No on Meg for me. No on Meg. Yeah. Yes on. Won't you be my neighbor? I also saw which you you told me you saw as well is the Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The oh, new turtles. Yes. Yeah. yes, yes, yes. I watched it on the Nick streaming app and I loved it. It's fun. I thought it was really good. The action was like super cool. I liked what they've done with the turtles. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's a new take. But I, I really dug it. I thought it was fun. I, I can't wait until they put out more. Mm-hmm. I'm very impressed with that show. I was watching it with several friends. They had a screening at work. And we're watching it just going, 
wow, this is intense. I mean, just the, <laughs> yeah. the angles that they use and the shots, oh, yeah. which is very difficult to do. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. got me is how funny that show is. We were just cracking up. It's just a fun show. Yeah. So yeah. you guys watch it. Watch it online. They have the first five episodes mm-hmm. on Nickelodeon, and then it'll be on the network in September. And also, just want to give a plug for The Loud House Volume 4 is in stores now. So you guys can go and pick up your copy. Myself and several other people on the crew wrote and illustrated stories for it. So go and get all the copies. It's a really fun book. I know that you guys and all your kids and nieces and nephews are really going to like it. And also, I was a guest for episode 153 for the Sketch Zone podcast. Our pals Jack and Carlos and Charlie invited me on the show. I got to meet Carlos and Jack at Ground Zero Animation Expo. And their show is really fun, so you should definitely check it out. Subscribe on iTunes. But we had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I was in the the chat room for that, and yeah, that was really good. I'm definitely going to be checking out that podcast again, but and vidcast and all that stuff. But I thought you were great on that show. You know, it's really hard to do kind of a long form podcast and your energy was up, their energy was up. I thought it was just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, so definitely all the listeners out there, check it out. It's a lot of fun. And I want to give a shout out to my mom and dad for being super supportive because I basically just sang the praises of my parents for (laughs) three hours and just talked about different things in the industry. And it's it's a really fun show, you guys. And that brings us to our guest today. So who did we talk to for this part one of this two-part episode, Jeff? For this one, we talked to Alina Chow. Mm-hmm. And I love talking to her. I think the thing I took away from the interview most was just how forthright she is. You know, she's just, this is how it was. You know, when I was working here, this is how it was. When I was working at this place, this is how it was. And it was very topical because she talks about her time at EA and she kind of talks a little bit about the bro culture there when she was working there years ago. But in light of the article on Kotaku about Riot Games, mm-hmm. I think it's very, I mean, it's always you know good to have this at the forefront, but I thought it was very topical. Absolutely. And... Alina's a wonderful person. She has so much experience in the field of animation and storyboards and comics. And she also has a very unique perspective. You know, she was raised overseas and came to the States. And that's always very interesting to hear about other people's unique experiences, mm-hmm. you know, especially for us because we're from here. So it's always <laughs> really cool to hear about people that are not from California yeah. and what's going on with them. And they just bring a whole different spin and take on things, which I love. And we didn't really get to talk about it in either part one or part two. So I do want to mention that she is a teacher and I took one of her courses, which is how I got to know her better. So if you ever have the opportunity to take one of her classes, either at Studio Arts or wherever else she's teaching, I recommend it because she is a lovely person and she has a lot of knowledge about story. So without further ado, we're very happy to present episode 77, Interview with Alina Chow, part one.
Alina, it's so great to have you here. Thank you so much for coming out. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely, because it's Los Angeles, Southern California, and it's hot. So we appreciate yes. you bearing with us in the heat. Well, I'm a tropical monkey, so it's hey. good with me. That, that works, that works. Yeah, and I grew up in Houston, so I look at this and I'm like, ha, there's no mosquitoes, no humidity. This isn't that bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm Southeast Asia. So oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely tropical monkey blood in me. <laughs> yeah, so let's get started at the beginning so you have done a myriad of awesome things you have taught you have mentored people you do all your own original art you've worked with a lot of really cool studios but let's start at the beginning so where in southeast asia are you originally from i'm from hong kong i grew up in hong kong um, but my family they are from indonesia so we are kind of indonesian chinese ish <laughs> it's complicated and then my parents moved back to china and then we moved to hong kong and then now i live in America. America and just become a citizen. So yeah, we our family is a mixing pot of all kind of nationality. That's really cool. Yeah. And then what was it that first led you to realize, oh, I love the arts. I love illustration and cartoons and comics and movies. Actually, I didn't know. In terms of career decision, I didn't know I want to be an artist until kind of in undergrad. Before that, when I was a kid, I just like to draw. Just like any kids, you like drawing and your parents just give you a drawing surprise or you will be quiet and calm for hours. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I started as a kid. But I didn't realize doing art can be a sustainable career until I'm in college. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I kind of a little bit of a late discovery, a late boomer. A lot of people, they kind of know they want to be artists early on. And I didn't know until I'm in college. And then I take some animation, um, 101 class, a little bit graphic design class during undergrad. And then that's kind of discover animation and get me excited about it. But Hong Kong at the time, they have very little animation education. So I come to America for graduate school and go to UCLA for film school and major in animation. So that's kind of how I get into animation. Okay. Mm. How did you pick UCLA? Well, in a way, it's parents' pressure. <laughs> it's like I'm only allowed to apply to two graduate school in America because it's just so expensive, especially for foreigner um, to apply in the US as you have to pay for full tuition. So my parents said, well, pick the two best school you can find. And at the time at my college, we have teacher of exchange professor from America. So I talked to a few professor and they suggest Cal Arts and UCLA has the best graduation program. So I applied to both. CalArts reject me based on I don't have enough education in animation. UCRA accepted me because of unique vision. So they said, we are willing to teach you how to animate, but we prefer you have a vision than your lack of technical knowledge. So and it turned out out great because I got that full college experience, live in sorority dorm, even though I'm not a sorority. So it's kind of fun for me because as a foreigner, you get to experience the full-blown American classic American college experience. So that's really fun for me. Mm-hmm. And had you been to the States before college, either on like visits with your family or with friends or any uh, kind of exchange not program? Not really. The year before I actually graduated from undergrad, I signed up for a art exchange summer program and come to the U.S. But mostly we just go to the East Coast, go to a few different cities, go to a different art museum, and then we write a school report at the end of the trip. So that's probably maybe about a month, a few weeks 
I can't remember, maybe close to a month type of summer exchange. But besides that trip, I never been. And this is around the time when school application is still mostly paperwork. So I didn't even know what the school looked like. So pretty much just based on the material they ship to you and I got some interesting conversations. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, Hong Kong is a British colony, so I speak British English. So there's a lot of interesting communication on the phone with the college. Okay. We will have literally just debate over whether that is a, because on the brochure it is not clear what kind of dormitory they have. So I want to make sure I get to have a somewhat private bathroom or there's bathroom nearby because some dorm they have like really huge co-ed and stuff so I, I spent an hour argue with whoever the dormitory supervisor about the terminology of water closet they don't <laughs> understand what is a water closet and I'm trying to explain it's like, like a toilet and saying is that what toilet is do something for you to do things. <laughs> so literally spend an hour oh, no. have a debate between and then she said, You mean a restroom? And I don't know what a restroom means at the time oh. because we don't use the term restroom in okay. the dictionary we use water closet and bathroom. Oh. So yeah, it's an hour conversation about the oh, facility man. in the dormitory mm-hmm. because of all the linguistic differences. <laughs> I salute you. I think if I had spent an hour arguing with someone about that, I would have thought, hmm, I'm not so sure about this school. Maybe I don't want to go there. <laughs> well, we kind of know it's a vocabulary thing, uh-huh. except it's so different. And I, I never really traveled before, so I'm not familiar with different vocabulary. I, now I'm much more adaptable with different language, and you understand that's different term mm-hmm. for the same thing. At the time, I, I don't know better, and then bathroom is kind of important. <laughs> So I'm like, I had to make sure because I read the brochure, there's like some co-ed bathroom you have to clean. Everyone has to take turn clean the bathroom. And then it's co-ed bathroom. So we are like, that's going to be pretty gross. If you have like 100 people living on the okay, floor, yeah, you have to take yeah. turn clean that. I kind of don't want to live in that dorm. Doesn't matter how cheap that thing is. Yeah. I wouldn't mind to pay a little bit more to have a like, somewhat decent bathroom that I don't have to go home and clean. It's, right. I don't mind to clean my own bathroom but yeah. i don't want to clean the whole f- like bathroom for the whole entire floor that would be kind of weird so yeah, so yeah that's turned out to be a long debate on the phone mm-hmm. sounds like it was worth it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah it totally worth it so i end up I, I get a room that has my own bathroom and the mm-hmm. prices is not bad I think it's a five hundred dollar for a quarter, which is not bad for yeah. a dormitory room. No, that's like a three months for really, five hundred bucks. No, that's, that's pretty good. Wow, that's really great actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering because I know that for a lot of people, they grew up with certain media, certain shows, certain books, and then they go off to college, and that just expands because right. all of a sudden you're exposed to a lot of different things. So what were some of the stories or television shows or movies that you grew up with, and then what did you come to really like once you were in college? Well, the movie actually made me decide to do animation is Beauty and the Beast. So I think that come out a little bit before I go to college. I want to say I forgot maybe a year or two before I go to college. And then when I saw that movie, I'm blown away. It's like, oh, that's, that would be something I'll be interested to learn. And also, I think that's also around the time when Jurassic Park and all those CG, big CG event movies start getting popular. So all those movies kind of inspire me. It's like, hey, I want to do that. That's 
look fun. So that's kind of make the decision that I want to learn how to do that kind of animation. I don't even know what it is. I just think it's fun. And unfortunately, with Hong Kong, I think that in America, like people get much better undergraduate and even high school education. Some school already have animation classes, so you kind of know what you're getting into. Ah,、uh, with me, I we don't really get that type of. Resources. So the book I end up try to pick up and learn animation myself is Frank and Ollie Illusion of Life, and there's another book is、um, Animators Workbook. I think it's by also an old Disney guy. I forgot. Oh, you're talking about the Richard Williams book? No, Richard Williams is、Richard、not、Robert. out yet. No, that one、oh, is、okay. a lot more simpler. It's、mm-hmm. even simpler than Preston Blair. It's just a really really thin little books,、mm-hmm. really basic. Talk about like, how you layer. Cell and how you do basic wall cycle, so it's really really simple. But that's pretty much the two books. And in undergrad, we get to learn the basic like bouncing ball, wall cycle, and all that. But I thought the teacher in Hong Kong didn't tell us the whole thing because he, for obvious reason, they make you do frame by frame, keyframe animation, traditional. And I thought there's no way. Someone can animate something like Beauty and the Beast, hand <laughs> draw, frame by frame for like over an hour movie. I I bet the teacher just either the A they didn't know what to teach us because our education not in filmmaking like in animation is a bit primitive, or they just want us to learn the tough way. So someday we they will teach us how to use a magic button. <laughs> I literally still have that magic button fantasy all the way into grad school when、oh, I come to UCLA. Yeah, the animate button. You just press it. Yes, done. I thought there's an animate button, <laughs> and I go to grad school, and then I will pitch a story because first year at UCLA. We have to. We already have to finish a student movie by the end of the first year. But a lot of people they already have an MFA degree before they go to UCLA, or they take a lot of union classes or other, or they have other animation classes before when they were in undergrad. So most of my classmates they know enough by the time they go to grad school. I'm kind of start from square one, and the problem is I don't even know. I don't know <laughs> anything, so I would like pitch my story with, and then that year Lion King come out, and then I would pitch the story. Oh, I want to animate like a hundred of. Animal running、oh, no. across the、oh, street.、Wow. Yeah, I need to pitch the idea, and then the story idea is pretty awesome. So the teacher, oh yeah, yeah, totally, you can do that. <laughs> and then no one, they they thought I'm just saying it. I want to do a hundred animal. I mean, I draw the storyboard, but they don't think I would actually go out of my way and do all that. And then when I start animating in the lab, the teacher saw my drawing, said,、uh, "Alina, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Um, animating my opening sequence." You know, like Lion King, a bunch of animal. I feel like all those reindeer and horsey running across the screen. And he said, "You are going to animate a hundred something animal." I'm like, "Yeah, first year films we are required to do it traditionally, like cell paint."、Oh. And I said, "Oh, it's not just that. It's going to be a hundred animal, and they're going to have pissy dust like Tinker Bell. They will grow." Oh, <laughs> and the teacher is terrified. Said, "Talk to me after class." <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, I still remember that. I, I'm totally curious. And he will be like in class. He will announce to the whole class. He said, "Well, anyone, you have a hundred elephants singing and dancing in your films. Please talk to me after class, or else you would never ever graduate from the because you wouldn't have even time to finish that. Right. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. It's first year. Mm-hmm. It can take forever." So I'm like, no, no, no. He's just saying it. He probably have a magic button. He wouldn't tell me. <laughs> he just doesn't want me to know. <laughs> he just doesn't want me to. He want me to learn the hard way. He wouldn't tell me that magic button until I do it the hard way. <laughs> Tough love. My girl coach will be like, I'm gonna go against that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I I'm pretty stubborn. So he's like, okay, do you know how to? End up he give in. He said first year is not supposed to use the computer. I said okay. Do you know how to use the computer? I said、ah, yeah yeah. I totally learn after you find out that I know how to use computer. I said okay. Since you're so stubborn, <laughs> you are allowed to use the computer. At least you can duplicate. Said, no duplicate is cheating. <laughs> oh no, no it's not. <laughs> <laughs> But then he said, "Bad me, okay. You already finished the first two scene hand draw. You prove yourself. Just duplicate for the rest of your film, so you can actually finish your film by the end of the first year. Because I have to get scholarship. If you finish your first year film, you get five thousand dollars scholarship, wow. which is a lot, especially for an international student. You、mm-hmm. pay full tuition." And then my parents said, if you can't start paying for your tuition, we can't pay for the rest of your education. So that scholarship is really important for me. Okay, fine. I will cheat a little bit. <laughs> Duplicate for scene three and four. <laughs> oh my god! But the first two scenes you did by hand. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know better. Uh huh. Yeah, and well, you had to cut way back on that, though, right? Like the hundred animals. <laughs> no, I, I actually, I, I guess it's because ignorance is a breeze. You don't、yeah. know better, so、oh. I don't even feel the pain because I thought that's just normal. Right. Later on, I realized that's not a smart way of doing it. <laughs>、oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, my my classmate they they think it's funny. I think they still think it's funny. I am so amazed. Like, <laughs> I'm amazed because I remember when we were in school, we had these grand visions of what we wanted to do for our thesis project, and then once we were in the middle of it animating, all we could think about was why didn't I have a movie about two characters talking in a room with nothing in the room. <laughs> Not even a table or chairs. In why、dark. in the dark? You know why am I? Why did I want to do this?、Ah, you well,、know. you know better. I don't know better. <laughs> I thought at one point there would be a magic button show up. Literally,、wow. I didn't even know Smurf are not real until when I was fifteen. I thought there's some magical little blue people you can frames. Somewhere in some magical forest. So I, my in terms of my film education is so limited at the time. I literally think half of it is like real magic, like fairy dust magic.、Mm-hmm. So I, I that's how I get through my entire graduate program. It's like I, I didn't even learn until thesis year. I still not learning. It's like oh, I got a war sequence. I did a war sequence. How are you going to?、Learn? Oh, it's going to look like Braveheart. It will be awesome. It's going to be animated. <laughs> And the teachers are like, oh boy, not again. <laughs> how long? When do you want to graduate again? In a year. <laughs> I'm going to get a job. It's like. That looks like a two-year project. Fine, two years, but I still going to finish it. <laughs> so, did you finish 
grad school in two years? Uh, yeah, I finished. Well, the, the whole graduate program is three years. I take that extra year to finish my Brave Heart style thesis. <laughs> <laughs> finish it but yeah I, I guess by that time my professor is like, oh oh boy <laughs> I oh, bet yeah. you learned a lot though I learned how to draw really way. fast yeah you got a lot of yeah. pencil mileage mm-hmm. yeah drawing all those and that's the time I go through entire Harry Potter audiobooks when I do clean up mm-hmm. there's so much cleanup I have to do so I that's the time I brass through all the Harry Potter saga, <laughs> <laughs> the Golden Compass, like all the good epic novel. I go through all of them, so I get a lot of <laughs> book education. <laughs> when I do animation clean. Oh my gosh, we're just learning all about all about story, all about animation, all about drawing. You just like to jump in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't now. Now I know better. So, oh, you can't pay me enough to do any of that. But <laughs> yeah, back in the day, I don't know better. Wow. Yeah. So you do your thesis. I'm sure it amazes everyone who watches this. Just yeah, seeing it epic got a student and me. So hey, that's good. <laughs> there you go. That's how was that? How was that experience? It was fun. It's the first time I got small little film festival. So that's the first time you got a little bit of industry experience. You got a little student and me, and then they give you a mini red carpet thingy. So that was really fun. That's yeah. cool. So we have a friend who she won a student Emmy, and it ended up helping her, you know, get a manager, an agent, and different freelance opportunities. Mm-hmm. Did the same happen for you? No. Well, unfortunately, that's around the time. My animation industry is dying oh. because that's uh, around 2001. Mm-hmm. So it's around the time Disney and Dreamer they just shut down all their 2D animation and they reboot the whole thing in 3D. But it's like in transition, nothing going on yet. So that's actually during a pretty valley point, it's a really downtime in the industry. So getting a job was a challenge. And then my project is 2D and no one is doing 2D at that time when I graduate. So I have to adapt to 3D really fast and just get a job so I can have a job after I graduate. Mm. So what was that process like realizing, okay, I need to learn 3D. Did you just throw yourself into it like you had with your student films or like how did you go well, about that? Second year at UCLA, everyone have to learn a little bit 3D, but then your thesis, you can choose to do 2D or 3D. So I do 2D because that's my passion. But then when I realized there's no 2D job so you have to be realistic and pick up 3d so i have some alumni they are working at ea at the time so he's like well do you want to do an animation test maybe get internship at ea so i'm like yes otherwise there's no job you just have to pick up whatever job you can. So I do a 3D animation test, and it's pretty simple test, like doing walk cycle, do a character jump off a box, just to show you understand gravity and weight. So I pass the test, I get the internship, and that's kind of how I start my first job at the industry is animating. I start as an animator, animation intern for a game company for EA. Mm -hmm. And then when the EA has some, they have some issues with their team. So a bunch of their team member left to go to a different company. So they they lost a huge amount of production uh, workforce. So they just hire all the interns and become their regular staff. So that's kind of how I get a job. Wow. At EA, yeah. Okay. Do you remember which games you were working on? Oh, yes. Uh, I work on, let me think, Rising Sun, Matter of Honor. So that's kind of start on my animation career pretty much 
for the most part, I'm always on boy title. It's like people wearing heavy armor, killing each other. <laughs> you had experience with the war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, EA is all World War Two game. So it it was in the beginning. It's kind of fun because I I think I'm the only girl on the whole animation team also. And sometimes you have to act like. Do the performance yourself to video record so you know how to animate. Say someone holding a rifle, running, how someone jump because the rifle is so heavy, especially the Second World War rifle that bulky and long.、Mm-hmm. So they would like everyone need to experience how the weight, how it feel to run with a heavy weapon. When it's my turn, they were like, "Alina, put some like muscle into it. You run like a girl." And I'm like, "I am a girl. <laughs> This is really heavy for me because I'm." Tiny, and I'm not like those guy, like the guy that taller and I'm bigger. So when they run with a really heavy rifle, they look normal. With me, I look like a wimp, barely <laughs> able to hang on that weapon. It's like it's heavy for me, so I barely able to run normal. Is I look like running like a it's like a kid running with a ginormous backpack. <laughs> so that like you you doesn't your run cycle doesn't look right. You can't animate that that doesn't look heroic. It's like. Why don't you run for me? I just videotape you running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was kind of funny at the time. So yeah, so that was the time, and especially in game company, they don't really have too many girls on the production team.、Mm. I was the only girl on the production team、wow. for a few years, and then maybe by my third year or so, they hired another girl who's also animator. That's about it. So it was funny because the girls' bathroom is always very clean and nice and quiet. And from what I heard, the boys' bathroom is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious what that was like for you because I've worked on teams with all guys, and for me. It was fine. Like guys were very respectful. We got along well. But I know that's not always the case in every industry. So for you, did it feel weird being the only woman, or were you treated with the same level of respect, or was there just things you had to navigate? That's a good question. I feel like I mean they're respectful, but at the same time they don't value my voice as much as other male colleagues' voice. Especially it's a very macho title too. The production is like war game, so the guys always feel like they. Know better than me how to do how to performs and yeah definitely a bit more boy centric the team and sometimes they do forget I'm a girl they will try to like rough me up and beat me up like a girl like how you know boys rough、oh, up each other so it's kind of like hey how you doing today like, like punching you, you in the yes, arm yes <laughs> yeah that kind of thing or、uh, sometimes guys they do silly thing with each other like toss trash on your on the other people and at first they don't do that to me but after a while they just forget they just treat me like another dude. So they would do like toss like trash at my head, it's like ha 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 kind of thing. That's so. interesting. It's like on the one hand, it's like I've been accepted into dude culture. On the other hand, I don't want trash thrown at my head. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Well, granted, I'm not angel either. I would just toss it back. It's like oh, you toss me, I'm tossing you back.、Yeah. So it pretty much they treat me like you know, like a big brother treat a little sister. After、mm-hmm. a while, they just ah,、uh, yeah, just one of the gang. <laughs> Was it a thing of were they just not focused on hiring women? Like were they not reaching out to women or think, like what do you think it was? I don't know. I think at the time probably just not as much girl doing animation, not as much as today.、Mm. 
I think partly, and also if it's a girl working on as an animator, they tend to like more also different type of show, a different type of title,、mm-hmm. and like for war games, that, those are definitely boys' titles, so they tend to more oriented to higher male, and probably girls are less attracted to work on say a macho war games title, so that probably different factor too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've often wondered about that if it's because I know it's both. I know it's not just oh, women just aren't interested. Because there are women that are interested, but I also recognize that there just might not be as many. And you know, conversely with men too, there might not be as many men interested in certain things either. Right.、And、so、yeah. I just wonder, like, how much of it is interest? How much of it is society telling you you shouldn't be interested? And then just how much is it just not reaching out to everyone and saying, "Hey, if you want to work on、right. this, we will hire you." Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of every factor. And、mm-hmm. I, I want to say, even back then in animation school. The population of male and female is also a little bit more male student than females.、So、I think it's just also the time. There's a little bit more guys in animation than girls, but now it's almost like balance. It's like it's pretty equal, and some in certain job type that you have more girls than boys. But、mm-hmm. I think it's just that time. It's kind of transition. It's like there are more girls coming in, but still not. Quite as much as what we have now. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So then, how did you transition from working at EA, around World War II games, throwing trash with the best of them, carrying rifles, <laughs> to working at ILM and some other places? Oh, so after EA, EA have that really ugly class action lawsuit when they abuse an employee and then they lay off everybody. So then I moved to Technicolor and they do a little bit of everything.、Mm-hmm. They have commercial, they have game cinematic, do games. And some、uh, TV adaptation game stuff. So during Technicolor, I get to try more variety of different jobs besides animation. I start doing storyboard, also previous. So that's when the time I discover I actually enjoy storyboard and previous a lot. That's also the time one reason I switch slowly switch to storyboard or story development is I start seeing studio outsource 3D animation overseas. So they will make in house. People train the overseas studio to do animation, and then you can slowly see that will be the trend. Once the overseas studio is up and running, they're going to slowly reduce the actual animation production in-house and focus more on pre-production. So when I start seeing that happen, I switch gear to story development because story you can't really ship overseas. You have to develop the story in-house. So that's why I switch to doing focus more previews and do storyboard and. And Technicolor closed down the animation, and because of outsourcing, they outsource everything overseas because it's cheaper. So they decide to shut down the branch locally, and that's when I said, "Okay, I'm going to completely switch to previous." Okay. So with previous, were you doing animatics and After Effects? Ah, three D. So it'll be、yeah. like animatic, but it's three D. So that's what I end up doing at Lucas. Okay. It's three D story. So pretty much it's three D animatic, three D layout. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So, how did you get the job at Lucas? Like, how? What was that process like? Ah,、uh, that one I pretty much just apply. I apply and then I get in. And this is the interesting thing about social media. And that's the, also the first time I discover the benefit of social media. So around that, I want to say maybe yeah, two thousand ten ish. Before that, people start. 
blogging start getting popular. So for a while, I've been just blogging for fun. I put art up, exchange art, and you know, kind of like how we do Instagram video. You post your art, comment, and meet other artists online. And when I get an interview at Lucas, my first interview I still remember is there's a two director. There's totally four episode director have to take turn interview me. And the first group of director come, and the, one of the guy he said, "Oh, hey, Elena. Oh, I know you already." I'm not going to. Yeah, you are in. <laughs> I don't have to interview you. And I'm like, do I know you? He's like, because I'm bad with names. I'm I'm really horrible with names. And not that I don't want to remember people, but sometimes I can forget people's even I know them for ten years. So I'm like, oh, maybe I know this person, but somehow I forgot. So I can't feel bad. I'm like, oh, 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 do we met before? Said, oh no, you never met me. But we follow each other bra for years. So I really like your work. That's why you're here. I'm like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> Good to know. And then he told the other guy, he said, she's good. I follow her bra for years. She's good. <laughs> we can hire her. So we just chit chat and he, they look at my demo reel, casually chit chat. And then the a second group of people come and then they say, oh, let me show, give you a studio tour. And then I bought me that a lot of people I met at the studio tour. I never met them in person, but everyone seems to know me. And then we remember each other username because you don't oh, know the other okay. person's real name. And then we're like, are you Minty Ice Cream Monster? Because that's my blogger username. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah, you need to work here. And then uh, I'm so and so. I'm like, oh, your username, blah, blah, blah. Hey. <laughs> so that's what happened. And then my new office mate, eventually become my new office mate. We have been following each other on blog. So, so yeah, Minty? I'm like, yeah, Minty Ice Cream Monster. Oh, yeah, I'm so and so. a job because of blogging. It's uh -huh. like they recognize my work and they say, hey, we like you on the blog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of work were you putting up there? Was it your own sketches? Yeah, or? just my own sketches. Oh, okay. like, um, and at the time, I don't, I haven't even do too much gallery stuff, not as much as I was doing now. I have, I start doing it, but not too much. So mostly just sketchbook, mm -hmm. sketchbook stuff. Silly daily doodle drawing, yeah, just wow. regular everyday drawing, which is funny. And then it's like, and then I suddenly feel like home. And then because we apparently we follow each other blog for a long time, except we never met in person. So when yeah. you met, it's like you become coworker. It's like now we can be real friends in life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. That's, that is a good feeling though. Yeah. yeah so that's kind of the. First time, I said, mm -hmm. hey, I never think about because at, now people are much more aware of social yeah, media yeah. marketing. That's mm -hmm. like in the beginning of it, I didn't expect. I just blog because it's fun. Yeah, mm -hmm. same here because I'm yeah. a blogger too. And it's just, this is fun. Let me just share my thoughts. Yeah. If other people like it, that's great. If not, yeah. it's fine. Mm -hmm. And none of them are portfolio quality drawings. Some are literally just doodle and they're not mm -hmm. perfect doodle, but it's fun. Yeah. So I know I make friends really quick at the studio because apparently every other people we follow each other's work for a long time and they're like yeah username so and so haha finally meet you yeah oh, that's cool so then what was it like working on clone wars because that's a that's a it solid was show yeah no that was really fun i think it's the best job i have that for definitely it's like the team 
is awesome. Even though I'm still the only girls on the story team, but they're much more respectful. They don't treat me like just another bro. They actually respect my space mm -hmm. and they don't abuse employees. You, you have life. Unlike working for games company, you work average 10 to 12 hour day press weekend. You actually can't just solid, most of the time, solid nine to six. And you don't really work weekend, rarely, occasion, a couple of weeks of OT, but that's about it. So mm -hmm. it's really good. And get to work at Skywalker Ranch, yeah. the, the ranch. So that was fun. And then I remember my coworker said, don't get attached to any cow you see outside. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> this is a working farm, just so you know. <laughs> don't make friends. <laughs> Tomorrow that cow might end up on your lunch plate. It's like, oh. uh, uh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Admire the cow from afar <laughs> so you don't get hurt. <laughs> that's funny. And they say this because that's happened to them. It's like, where's so and so? Well, you just I'm eat just it. Just <laughs> <laughs> you have a burger for lunch? <laughs> burger for lunch? <laughs> that's where they went. <laughs> oh, no. So were you a Star Wars fan before you got on that team? No, I'm not. I like Star Wars, but I'm mm -hmm. not a fan. But it was fun. And there's people, it's a mixed group. They are super fan. They mm -hmm. remember, they know the whole universe, like a Dawa or Wikipedia. Okay. And then there are people, they just like Dawa, but they're not crazy fans. So you got mm -hmm. the whole spectrum mm -hmm. of people. But it is fun, yeah. They make the work environment really friendly, like really comfortable and friendly for people who have families and people who have a healthy lifestyle. So I like it a lot. That's good to hear. Yeah. And I'm wondering too, just working on that kind of legacy brand, was there any kind of nervousness going into it of, I'm working on a Star Wars property. I have to make sure this is good. I don't know all the names of all the Wookiees. What do I do? Was there any of that? Or was it just, you know, no. I'm just going to be here and Yeah, no, job? yeah. Pretty much everyone, they don't give you that kind of pressure. Pretty much you just do your best. And the team is pretty supportive. So you, if there's anything you don't know, there's always the super nerd. They will know mm -hmm. down to some random droid model number. It's like, how do you even remember that? I don't even think George because, <laughs> you know, was that random droids? They <laughs> were the number. one in the background for five <laughs> minutes yes. in the corner. Sometimes they even know the one five second in the corner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They we got they, we definitely have those super fans. So sometimes mm -hmm. you got a script is like oh, what what is this model? It's like just ask so and so. He know exactly which file, which model of whatever vehicles or machines like, oh, okay. <laughs> that work. That's good to know. Yeah. That, that's always some different encyclopedia Star Wars encyclopedia mm -hmm. walking around. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. But were you ever afraid afraid of I don't know feeling pressure from those super fans that are gonna watch it and be like this isn't canon this isn't well, you know, this doesn't fit exactly into the Star Wars you know mythos no I think usually the director if there's any pressure it, mm -hmm. those will be land on the director or land on George not not so much on the team okay. yeah mm -hmm. and we, we kind of just have fun and they actually give you a a little bit of a creative freedom. So if there's a lightsaber fight, it's like, just make it look awesome. You can do whatever you want. And that's kind of fun. It's mm -hmm. like you can design your saber fight. Definitely the different characters have their own style. So once you know what is their style, you can just design mm -hmm. the whole choreography and they kind of let you design how you set up the scene. They give you the main like instructions that you have to hit certain story point, but in between that, they allow you to have some creativity and some fun. So that's actually 
actually pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Were you on the show for the entire run of the show, or were you on it? No, for a I'm part season. I start with season three mm-hmm. to the last season that is air, and then after that is when Disney acquired Lucas. So after soon after that. I, I just left the studio because my own art start to pick up.、Mm-hmm. So towards the end, I have to leave because I can't balance my personal work and studio job anymore. So I decide to give my own、okay. work a chance. But it's a good move because the the studio are really supportive. I still remember it get to the point I have to really seriously think. So I fall asleep at work. Because I work so late at night doing my own thing, like do all、mm-hmm. the commission, so I can feel my performance at work is like sliding down. So one day I just go up to the director's office and come looking at my episode director. So、oh, Stu, I have something to tell you. And he look at me. Say, you are going to tell me you are leaving. Don't you? <laughs> How do you know? He <laughs> said, I know that will happen sooner or later. But Congratulations! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's. And I said, let me let us treat you up for lunch. Okay. I said, how long do you want to try this? I said, well, I said, I don't know. I never freelance before, so I probably will give myself a year, see how I like it. I figure if I don't like it a year, I can go back and find a full time job again.、Mm-hmm. If I like it, I will see how where it would, it would take me. And he said, we will leave the door open for you. If you ever need a job, come back. I'm like, okay, oh, that's, that's comforting. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of stuff were you doing on your own at the time? Well, at the time, I'm just doing. I start getting a lot of gallery、mm-hmm. invitations, so I do a lot of gallery at night, and then I start getting some children's picture book、mm-hmm. offer and making books take times, and I, I get a couple at the time. So I figure if I have to do all those books, there's no way I can have a full time job. The thing is, it doesn't pay well, even with all this side gig. It really pay peanuts. But at the time, my thought process is just having random people want. Me to do my art in my own style and have enough requests is not common. It's rare, so even the money is not there. I figure if I want to explore the potential, how far this would take me, I have to dedicate full time in it. Mm-hmm. In order for this independent art thing to eventually become a real thing and actually have financial reward, so I figure either or I can't do both.、Mm-hmm. And so I decide to give it a try. Talk to my family, say would it be okay if I wouldn't have income for a while? And I said, well, give it a try. A year is not too bad. It's like if it doesn't work out, you go back and get a real job in a year. It's not too. You didn't leave the industry too long.、Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People will still take you in and get you a job. I said,、like, okay. So I tried that, and it was the first couple of months was exciting because you suddenly said, "Wake up! <laughs> I don't have to go to work. I can wear my PJ and work from home." So in the beginning, the first two three months is like a honeymoon. It's like yeah, and then suddenly three months later, oh wait, how am I going to pay for my <laughs> rent and my food? Uh oh. <laughs> so and then the panic start to happen. Is oh okay, I better have to strategize on this whole thing better.、Mm. So yeah, and then um, I got a that year I got lucky. There's a ebook app company contact me and want me to art direct the whole app. So that pay okay. So that survived the first year, and then the second year I start trying different thing and try different convention, tap into different gallery, try to talk to friends who have been doing independent for a while. 
and see what works and what doesn't work for them. So I kind of learned from everyone's advice and mm-hmm. feedback, try different things myself, and then I discover even stuff that works for other people, it doesn't necessarily work for me. So eventually I trial and error, I try to do a little bit toy thing and discover toy is not for me. I make a cup of toy, it's fun, but I don't like making toy enough to make that like a career. Mm-hmm. I try convention. Like I try, there's some people, they do a lot of convention in a year, do, go to different state, do different, and they are super successful doing con. And I try that, oh, maybe I can try that too. And I, I try that out for the first three months of the year. Do I do WonderCon, CTN, Road Trip, Emerald City, New York, Mocha. Is that all in a short time? And I discover, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's not for me. It's like, it works for other people. I'm like dying. I'm literally dying. It's like, oh, it's not, not my cup of tea. It's like a, a little bit con is okay. But back to back con is not my style. It's like, I, I cannot survive physically. It's my body just don't even like it mm-hmm. so it's and then try gallery for a while and then it was really fun but then i also <laughs> discovered i don't think i'm into fine art gallery type of career because to be successful fine art gallery you need to come up with a series mm-hmm. of painting that share the same theme and it has to be a variation of the same theme if i do one of those it's interesting but if i have to repeatedly do those it drives me bananas <laughs> So I'm like, oh, that's not my cup of tea either. So it takes me a while. So at the end, I slowly go back to story because like the reason I like animation is really storytelling. So I end up I discover children's book publishing is my is what I'm passionate about because it is it's storytelling and I like to tell story. I cannot do repetitive art form or variation art form. It's just not something I enjoy. But coming up with story or working with other people develop story that's what makes me excited. So slowly I just redirect the whole direction to publishing. So that's kind of the whole story. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. I'm wondering, so when you were at ILM and you were doing your independent art, was it that people were finding you online or were you going to conventions and going to events and going to galleries and talking to people and then letting people know, this is what I do. You should hire me to do these things. No, at the time when I was, I just do gallery show. I didn't even do con until I quit my jobs. Mm-hmm. At the time when I do all those, I don't even plan that will become a career. It's more a get away from my day job because my day job is all computer. It's fun, but at the end of the day, I'm just so tired staring at monitor. I don't even want to watch TV. My eye just gets so tired and I miss drawing, so I just draw for fun. So it pretty much I do it because it's relaxing for me to decompress at the end of the workday. And also I get in, it's like you do a cup of gallery and then your friend invite you to their show and then some gallery invite attached to your friend saw your, your work they like it and then they invite you too so it's slowly just like one after the other and you get to the point like the gallery will start contact me oh we have this show you will you be interested i'm like sure i will do it because like, oh, that would give me something to draw at night and then when i start getting tons of those people see stuff at the gallery they say hey i saw your stuff at the gallery we got this project are you interested we can't want that style i'm like sure yeah i would do it it was fun but it's like at the time i'm not thinking about any business but then eventually it just gets more and more of those, I've realized, hmm, maybe there is a business potential there. Mm-hmm. 
I can turn into something else. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you ended your stint at ILM and decided, all right, this is where I'm going, did you have a business plan? Did you start like an LLC or was it just, I'm just going to do art and see how it goes? Yeah, I'm just doing it. I don't have, I talk to people about LLC, but they said, especially for me at the time, I don't have enough project to have LLC. At LLC, I think you have to pay for a fee Mm -hmm. to sustain. And then my accountant said, well, you don't really have enough work. You can just be an independent artist, just take it as an independent freelance. And actually the first three years I was making, I barely break even. So I I didn't have any profit at all. So in terms of accounting and tax wise, I don't even really need to pay tax because I completely break even Mm -hmm. and just try to self-discover what type of art career I want to do and try different things. And I never freelanced before. I quit the job because I cannot. I was not a citizen before so I cannot freelance legally is mm-hmm. not allowed mm-hmm. so that's why all this year all those years I just do it for fun I never think about this I can't really take the money right. anyhow so any money is really much under the table like a few hundred dollars but I can't really make it into a career thing so when I start able to do those I'm like kind of learn from scratch mm-hmm. and make a lot of mistakes from scratch <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of the story. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you're willing and able, what were some of the things you learned where you went? Not just in terms of, oh, I'm not interested in doing conventions or I do like children's books, but just some things you learned where you went, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. Not a good idea. Or I will do this. This is a good idea. Um, I wouldn't say that's anything. I would say absolutely not do anything. Like, I try all those different jobs like different art creation Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say I wouldn't do anything of any because I I do like all kind of stuff I like gallery I like convention I like toy but it's just I don't like enough to make that say toy design a full time thing uh, for me, mm-hmm. but I I will keep that option open because in my head I'm thinking hey maybe one day I make my own storybook and then maybe if I want to promote that book I can make a little brush out of a character in the book then those toy design experience can come in handy but it's not going to be like a massive toy production maybe just make a couple of those toy to promote the book down mm-hmm. the road so I think all those skill set it will help down the road but it's just I want to focus in publishing not doing other stuff okay because I think if you want to be say a really really successful toy designer you have to dedicate Mm -hmm. most of your energy in doing toy design not that you can't do other stuff but majority of the energy has to be in toy so for me I discover I like story the most so I want to put majority of my energy in story and I still do the other stuff but those will be more just a little bit here and there during break time just to keep the creative juices going and it's good to do slightly different thing from time to time just to get some stimulation Mm -hmm. um, instead of just trapped to doing this one thing yeah so I still appreciate all those trial and error experience it's not something I want to focus doing but I, I feel that it could come in handy later down the road you never know Okay. So you mentioned cons and you're kind of cutting back on them. But I did see you about a week ago at 
San Diego Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. So I was just wondering about that. So is that one you're going to continue to keep doing? Yeah, I think I will keep doing San Diego, but I will definitely cut down to back to just a little table at Artist Alley. I tried mm. the booth, 10 by 10 feet, ginormous booth, and I discovered is not what I like to do. Mm. Uh, a, I discovered since I don't make merchandise, that my product is just original painting and art print. I don't make toys. I don't make souvenirs. I don't make like people sometimes have cool stationery, phone mm-hmm. case and stuff like that. I don't make any of those. I don't even make shirt and tote bag. So I feel like booth is not the most efficient place to just sell art and print because you can do that easily at a table. Mm-hmm. But then I, I would say if someone have like more variety of merch, both would be great. But for me, I discover it's not a good setup for what I do since mm-hmm. I don't make merchandise. Right. I did like your booth a lot because I'm always trying to find ideas when I'm looking at people's booths. And yours was, you had artwork on all the walls, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was a walk-in booth. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a little gallery, you right. know? Yeah, so I thought cool. that was really cool. There was even a place to sit down and mm-hmm. sit <laughs> So I've been thinking about doing a walk-in booth. Is that something you would recommend? Um, I would say, depend how you sign up. I would still put table up front that mm-hmm. people can just go straight to the table without going in because at first I thought the whole 100% walk-in booth is awesome, but a lot of people, they don't know you can walk in. Right. They just stop at the edge. Or they're afraid. They're to afraid come in. to come yeah. in. They are not sure they're allowed. And then I discovered that on the first day, I said, hey, how come no one buy anything? Because all my prints are inside and they hesitate to go in and look and as soon as I put a smaller table out with the print just openly displayed that I get people just buy the prints I think there's just some people that are just too shy to go in and they know it's oh I'm not going to buy anything hanging on the wall I just want cute little smaller items so they don't feel comfortable go into the store kind of thing to just pick up a small item but then if the small item is up front they don't feel as shy about it they just Mm -hmm. oh I want this and then they pay they go they don't feel like they have to go in socialize with you before they can get something right yeah yeah i found that with my booth too if i just put stuff directly out on the table that's the stuff that's going to sell yeah rather than you know i have some prints that are in a box Mm -hmm. that they have to kind of read through that's like another barrier yeah but i did think your booth was just beautiful and your artwork was so good yeah thank you and speaking about your artwork you were saying a little how you were getting tired of looking at a screen all day or whatever and so you would draw traditionally just for fun mm-hmm. so i see that you your artwork it's a lot of watercolor i mm-hmm. see you work in charcoal pen what are the advantages of using traditional methods rather than digital i i like traditional because it, it is more you can touch it um but in terms of watercolor i do still prefer traditional watercolor than digital i try different app i still feel like no digital app can mimic traditional watercolor mm-hmm. the, in the same way and I think it's just a, a little bit uh, there's charm to traditional media but I guess also depend on the nature of the project if the pro- some project it makes sense to do digitally it depends on budget and turnaround and also the style because digital has that really sharp graphic style which is beautiful in a different way so like, when I work on my project most of the time I prefer watercolor because especially with children's books it just 
more warm and fuzzy. It gives that just by nature. It gives that really comforting feel for、mm-hmm. kids' book. But when I'm producing like my the graphic novel I'm working right now, I actually combine the two techniques. I actually do layout digitally, and I'm going to ink it digitally. Inking in the sense that I would clean up the、mm-hmm. my layout. Mm-hmm. Digitally, and then I'm going to print it out and do traditional watercolor just to speed up the process. Otherwise, it will take forever to do a 250-page book, 100% traditional. That means I have to redraw my own layout、mm-hmm. before I can paint. That would take too long. So I depends on the project. I, I like with the graphic novel, I'm going to mix the two techniques just to speed up the process, but still maintain that traditional look without doing the whole thing from scratch. Right. And speaking of some of your written works, I know sometimes you do work with other writers. Is that more challenging to work with another writer, or is? Different.、Um, when you work with another writer, actually, you never get to talk to the writer. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, you talk to the art director because it's a good thing.、Mm-hmm. It's a good thing because there's a couple of books I work with the writer directly, and not saying all writer are the same, but often a lot of writers they are more. Language person, they are not too visual. So when they try to communicate what they are thinking visually, they tend to not be very unclear, or they think that's what they want, but then when they see it, it's completely not what they're imagining.、Mm. So end up for the couple of project that I work directly with a writer, it end up the process is more complicated because they. Thing what they write is exactly what the image is, but actually it's not because the way their brain works is like the visual and language doesn't work the same. So end up it become a trick, a challenging communication process. So a lot of the time with publishing house, the writer will talk to the art director, and the art director will translate the writer's thought process and give that idea to the artist and tell the artist, okay, this is kind of their idea, and now you interpret it in your own way. So it is a lot smoother. Because in that way, it doesn't. The writer doesn't really give you what literally they mean. They say this is kind of what I want, and then they tell the art director, and then there's a middle person. So if they get anyone get pissed off, you got someone in the middle to、nice. smooth the yeah. thing out. Yeah, they're mediated. Yeah, there's、mm-hmm. a mediator. Otherwise, you just get frustrated. Where if it's like that's not what I mean, and then it's like no, but what you mean is that if I translate this into this visually, it's exactly this, but they they don't. See it that way, and I have a book. The writers is like will give me is like so there's a shepherd in the story, so I just draw shepherd. It's like no, 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 that's not what you say. I want the shepherd to look like, and then I'm like I don't get what you mean because this is how I see it. And then he sent me a clip of Jesus. I'm like oh, <laughs> oh, you mean like the good shepherd, not just like a shepherd? Okay, something like that. So and then he's like, and then I'm like, but oh, okay, but it doesn't really quite. Read the story. Your story is a story happened in Asia. It's a Chinese story. How、yeah. does Jesus be?、Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so、wow. yeah. So it's interesting because they they have different. They、yeah. see things differently.、Mm-hmm. And then at one point, I'm like, okay, okay, put your clip out. It is confusing, but at least I get 
what they are trying to say,、mm-hmm. and I see that I'm like, okay, I don't think he really want Jesus because there's no Jesus. It's not a biblical story. It's a Chinese fable story.、Mm, so.、Yeah. But I think I get what he want, and then I would like try to reinterpret that, and then like give it. It's like it's like, it's like oh yeah yeah, that's nothing like Jesus. But、yeah. <laughs> but it is because like they think differently. They think in language,、mm-hmm. so sometimes they don't know how to translate that to visual.、Mm. That's smart. That actually reminds me. One of my friends kind of did what you did, where when she's talking to someone about what they want, she'll take a lot of different examples from、yeah. Pinterest and clip art, and she'll just bring a bunch of samples and say, "Okay, is this what you're imagining? Because this is what I'm getting from what you're writing."、Yeah. And、mm-hmm. then when they see it, they can go, "Oh, yes, or no, I'm thinking something else." She goes, "Great, let's plan this out."、Yeah. Because otherwise, it's like what you said. Based on what you wrote, it's this. We can't read your mind, so you need to clue、yeah. us into what you're thinking. Yeah. So yeah. So most houses they don't let artists and author talk to each other because otherwise it'd be really complicated the、mm-hmm. coming. So usually the art director would try to get the feel of what the author want and then just tell the artist this is kind of what they're thinking. But feel free to reimagine and create. And most of the time. They end up are happier to see the artist's vision of their story because it's the same. It's covered、kind of like、because they're they're strong in language, but they're not necessarily strong visually. So their visual imagination tend to be a little bit limited. But the artist has much stronger visual imagination. So when they see the artist's work, it's like, oh my gosh, this is even better than how I imagined because like, the artists tend to be able to add things that is implied in the story but not saying out loud. And then that tend to be the stuff that sometimes certain things is just you can't express with words.、Mm-hmm. It's better to express visually and the artists can capture that. And then、mm-hmm. they will say, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I think. But I, It's not something I can say out loud, but you show it visually. That's awesome. So usually it tend to work a lot better. Okay. And that concludes part one of our interview with Alina Chow. Special thanks to Alina for being a wonderful guest, and make sure to tune in next time for part two. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a positive review in iTunes. Your reviews help more and more people to find out about the show, and you can also support the show by visiting our website. www.theanimatedjourney.com and clicking on the PayPal donation button on the right-hand side, your donations enable us to pay for web hosting and the other technical costs associated with running the show. And thank you to everyone who has donated; we sincerely appreciate it. And to find out what else is going on in the world of animation, make sure to visit our Facebook page, facebook.com/theanimatedjourney. On Tumblr, the site is theanimatedjourney.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at animjourney. And Jeff, where can people find you? People can find me on Tumblr and Twitter at jeffbot one f j e f b o t, and on Instagram at shootzee s h o o t z e e. And to see what I've been up to lately, you can visit my website sketchysoul.com. On Tumblr, it's sketchysoul.tumblr.com, and on Instagram, the handle is at sketchysoul. So thank you to everyone for listening, and until next time, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody. Bye.